We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Is For Podcast. I am here with uh, our little rock star himself, Mr. Monster. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, he's not so much of a little rock star. He is, he's our big rock star. And as always... Is that a fat joke? No, no, it wasn't. Because it could be. As always, <laughs> Sarge is here as well. Say hello, I Sarge. I am here. Yes. I am here. Yes, and I am danger. So that tonight, I, I am, that I am not so much of a dangerous person. So I feel like yep. I'm rather mislabeled, but you know, tonight on the is for podcast, we're going to be breaking down the letter N and N is for NBA jam. Who remembers NBA jam? He's on fire. Yep. Yep. We'll get to it. That's all coming. Sarge. Oh, I remember breaking the backboards. Oh yeah. One of the few games you could break the backboards in. One of the few. That's right. So, put out in arcades in 1993. NBA Jam was the first entry in it, as you know. I feel like the name would say so. The project leader for the game was Mark Termal. NBA Jam was the game that defied physics. <laughs> it used um, exaggerated, over-the-top, superhuman abilities. You could jump to superhuman heights and do just the absurd things in the basketball world. You you mean your shoes won't catch fire on a basketball court in real life as you run down? No, usually if my shoes catch fire, there's some other problem involved. There's there's something else that's that's going that's going awry. So players could jump from extremely high and make slam dunks that defy human capabilities. Even uh, better than that, NBA Jam's definition of defense was literally both arms shoving the other player in the chest and well, knocking him across the court. Not so much in the original NBA, and we'll get around to it. So two-on-two two basketball, every game in NBA Jam was two-on-two two basketball, which have you guys ever played the arcade NBA Jam as opposed to the console? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, do you remember the players were a little bit taller, not quite as uh, cartoony in the arcade? Yes. And then... In the uh, the console versions, they became a little bit more like that. So it was one of the first real playable arcade basketball games. You know, before that, it was very much static movements and whatnot and wasn't really something that you could really truly feel like you were actually playing. And I think that was one of the things that really caught um, caught people on. But it was one of the first sports games that featured NBA-licensed teams. So... The first time you actually got to go into an arcade, pop in quarters, and play as players that you idolized. So you said that was the first time, one of the first times that the NBA gave their licensing to a video game. Arcade or just video games in general? I think it was just arcade. Um, I know that there were some beforehand. I know that Sega had some, but I don't remember if they came out after that or what, and they were... It was a terrible basketball game I had. I don't remember the name of it. It was just a waste of time. I think that's when the NBA Live series started with Sega Genesis. And, and the uh, earliest one I remember was maybe 90. The The one I can visualize in my head is 95, but there might have been a couple before that. I just can't remember. There was, and we'll go through the breakdown of the NBA Jam games and 
what happened to them and what they eventually turned into. So there were no fouls, uh, free throws, or violations except goaltending um, and 24-second violations, which meant a player is able to freely shove or elbow opponents, as you were talking about, shoving them across the court. Love it. Love right. it. If player made uh, three points in a row, the character uh, becomes on fire and has unlimited turbo and increased shooting precision. On fire mode continues until uh, the other team either scores or the player who is on fire scores four additional consecutive baskets while on fire. And I never remember that happening when I played with my brother because we never got to that point where the person got four shots in after that. I was getting ready to say that I've never seen that happen either. And and you said that after that, it just goes away. Yeah. After four consecutive shots, it goes away. It just you don't become is, like doubly on fire. Like, player is extinguished. I, extra fiery. I just, I just like how it's you need two, uh, three goals to be on fire, and then you get it for four additional goals. I mean, who came up with that? I, I don't know. It seems a little unbalanced, but oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the game was filled with Easter eggs, as we all know. Easter egg special features, and you would activate certain things in the arcade by putting in certain button and joystick combinations. Uh, pressing A five times um, on any Genesis controller would activate super clean floors, which would cause players to slip and fall if they ran too fast and whatnot. Um, <laughs> players would also enter special codes to unlock hidden players, ranging from Bill Clinton to Hugo, the Charlotte Hornets mascot. I remember Hugo, and I remember Bill Clinton might be the first game I ever remember having a big head mode. Yeah, that was a pretty popular that, thing now. That was later. That was not on yeah, the original. Yeah, not the first one. Yeah. So the original arcade version NBA Jam featured the teams from the 92-93 NBA season. Console versions used rosters from the uh, 93-94 NBA season. More up-to-date rosters were available in subsequent ports to the Genesis, uh, Sega CD, Game Boy, and whatnot, which I never played it on Game Boy. I didn't even know it came out for Game Boy. But, I mean, cool. Yeah, I can't imagine that was great. I remember yeah. playing on Sega Genesis. I had the um, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, which, I mean, they, they used to slap Tournament Edition on everything to make you buy it a second time. It's basically the same thing. Ah, um, but it was a different game. It had different features and things which we'll get to. True. This, it, you're right. You're right. Um, but the one I played the most of was the one on Sega Saturn. I never played was, it on Saturn. It was a little later, so the graphics were a smidge better. But I mean... I think the first time I played it was uh, the, term, the tournament edition, and I would pop it into the Genesis 32X Tower thing. Oh, yeah. So. Gotta love the 32X, the most unnecessary piece of hardware ever. So Midway the makers of the game, did not secure the license to use Michael Jordan's name or likeness. So Michael Jordan owns his own name and likeness legally. So mm -hmm. they couldn't use him. And he was not available as a player for the Chicago Bulls or any team. That, that was actually a common thing back in the 90s when he was playing, even like NBA Live and some of the more simulation style basketball games that were on the market. Most of the time, the Chicago Bulls had a player that was like number 99 or something like that. Yeah. And he had his stats like super maxed out. It was Michael Jordan, but they couldn't right. legally use his, his name. Right. But everybody knew. Everybody yeah. knew. Yeah. yeah. So Shaquille O'Neal 
was also absent as uh, at the time he was played for Orlando Magic. And then also New Jersey Nets guard, and I'm going to butcher the name, so correct me because I will be wrong, uh, Drazen Petrovic? Yeah, Petrovic. Okay. Pet- I think um, that's right. And the Celtics forward uh, Reggie Lewis both died after the release of the arcade version, but were removed from the home versions. So there was actually a thing about in New Jersey, arcade machines would randomly start saying Petrovic after he was removed from the arcade version as well, after he died or whatnot. That's that's kind of creepy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. A limited version of the game where uh, Gary Payton and Michael Jordan were developed primarily for Jordan and Payton's personal use. So they, they made the games just for them. But during development, Godzilla and Bart Simpson were planned to be secret characters, but were ultimately scrapped. Oh. You don't get more 90s than having a, some Simpsons references in your sports game. <laughs> but, I mean, I I would have picked Godzilla. Of course, I'm not sure he would have been any better. If dribbling with those tiny arms would have been would have been difficult. <laughs> well, well that's, that's another thing. Like, whenever you were on the team select page, there you could only have two characters. You know, you had two players on the court at a time. It was two on two. Mm-hmm. But most of the time you had, like, was it four players from each team to choose from? I think it was you had three in the character select screen, and then you would actually pick two to play okay. on play as. And they they all had different like you know ratings. Like some guys might be a dunk at like it was a scale like one to nine, and you know dunk might be nine, shooting might be three, you know that kind of thing. Why but, didn't they just make it a ten? I feel like that would have been better or easier because they couldn't get the rights to Michael Jordan. He would have been yeah. ten all everything. But now in, in as a huge basketball fan and a guy that played a lot of this, I could not tell that big of a difference between most of the players. Yeah. Now, the centers were taller and the guards, it, the centers and the forwards were taller and the guards were shorter. They did do that. But as far as like, I mean, I remember being Alonzo morning, jacking up threes and making them. I mean, yeah. you know, it was right. <laughs> it wasn't that well balanced. So you would have been on fire all the time. I, I got to go. I got I got other things I got to do tonight. I'm sorry. I got The game was devised after Midway's previous arcade, Total Carnage, failed to meet sales. He wanted to develop a game with a bit wider appeal and mix digitized graphics along with uh, other previous games like Arch Rivals. So Midway was able to procure a license from the NBA which pushed them into, you know, using the silly goofy superhuman physics and graphics of other games and put it together into an actual licensed NBA game. It was one of those like perfect store moments because right there in that like early to mid nineties, the NBA was probably as popular as it has ever been in the history of the sport. And right then at that time too, you had games like mortal Kombat that were really like that digitized graphic thing was kind of like all the rage. So like NBA jam was perfect timing. The only thing I could find as far as the money agreement for NBA Jam and or for NBA and, and Midway was they were to pay a royalty of $100 for each arcade box sold, arcade machine. So that was it. Now, wow. now, we'll go into the numbers here in a little bit as far as how much. So I don't know if you want to take notes on that, but NBA made their money on it for sure. So the NBA initially reacted negatively to the game, feeling the arcade game was wrong for the branding. 
And so then they went back. And after a second pitch, they were convinced of its potential in one of Midway's original pitch videos. They stated they planned on including these different things. Different camera angles, tips from coaches, instant replays, first-person views on fast breaks, none of which made it into the game. So, So they went to NBA and tried to convince them again and got their blessing, got the agreement to take it signed, and none of the features that they that they liked made it in. <laughs> I don't know how they got away with it. The graphics for the game were created using digitized footage of amateur basketball players, similar to Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. which is another Midway title, so it's kind of par for the course for them. And these players were available as secret characters in certain versions of the game, so you could play what was used to make the game. So Terminal said, my big ideas for NBA Jam were to do uh, spectacular dunks and two-on-two basketball, but the whole game was very much a team effort. I don't remember it being a team sport at all. It was just one guy controlled the ball the whole time. Uh, For instance, someone else came up with the idea of attributes giving different players different abilities. So he initially wanted to make the playing field a little bit level, but then somebody else came in and said, nah, pump it up. So... In 2008, Terminal confirmed um, a long-held suspension, the suspicion that the game had a bias against the Chicago Bulls. According to Terminal, a Detroit Pistons fan, the game was programmed so that the Bulls would miss last-minute shots in close games against the Pistons. <laughs> That's fantastic. So he, I love he, I love when pettiness like goes beyond the regular bounds, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he uh, he didn't just have a thing against the Bulls. He put it out for the world <laughs> to have a thing against the Bulls. So, great. Iguana Entertainment handled the conversion of the game to home consoles, and the game had a marketing budget of $10 million. At the time, that was a massive budget for marketing I, for games. I can, I can still remember those commercials, man. The, I mean, they did their job, that's for sure. It got me hyped. Yeah. Midway, their games always had good commercials. Again, to to go back to Mortal Kombat, oh my god, the marketing for that game when it came to consoles was unreal. In NBA Jam, they did a great job with that one too. Well, you know, I feel like this was all during a time. I feel like the uh, 90s, maybe into the early 2000s was a time where games and systems really marketed themselves different. I mean, the PlayStation marketing that happened, you know, with Crash Bandicoot where he would go around to business offices yeah, and yell at people yeah. with a megaphone. Uh, that stuff was was genius. And they were so obscure of commercials that it you couldn't help but grab your attention. Hell, I remember yeah. a demo disc for... Oh, I missed the old demo discs, man. Yeah. Those are, those are cool. Yeah. What happened to the demo discs where you could get... It was even demo cartridges and things where you could get the demo of games and actually play a level or in this case um half a game you know and those are gone and it's just it sucks because now as kids just rely on you know gameplay trailers and things instead of actually getting to experience it before it comes around and it sucks i remember playstation launched a whole campaign it was uh are you ready and it would have a red e and it was a demo disc with a bunch of their games on it but also had um, music videos and stuff in there, and the urge was was the first time I heard them was on one of those. I love the urge, but yeah, oh, yeah. it was it was just a cool cool concept. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you know, NBA Jam, remembering like my memories of NBA Jam is not who the characters you selected were. Oh yeah, it was the absolute 
fist fights that started between me and my siblings and my cousins uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I was about Staying to say until 3 a.m. <laughs> playing NBA Jam because it's like it was a two person team and you could have up to four people play two people per team. If you had the controllers, like, give me the ball, to give do me the it. ball. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, uh, if you had, if you're lucky rough. enough to have the four controllers that would hook up to it, then yeah, it was just a mm-hmm. big, a big fight, you know, back and forth. But that uh, that was actually something that I always kind of enjoyed about the game was being able to play with other people. And it did not matter how long my brother had been playing and if he was actually playing a campaign and getting through. I would sit down and push the start button and screw the whole thing up. Because <laughs> at any point you could join by pressing start. I don't even remember. Did they have a season mode? Um, the later ones did. I think it was tournament edition that did. You know, and that was TE was the one that we had in, in our house. You know, it was. Gotcha. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, I don't think we ever had the original NBA Jam. We had TE and we played the hell out of it. I don't remember any fist fight starting, but I do remember throwing controllers at him on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> well, there were there was in my family. It was getting smashed in the face with the controller. Uh, at one point, I believe someone tried to strangle the other with the controller. Um, unplugging <laughs> the controller while they were on fire. Oh. One was pulling the cartridge right out while the game was playing. Oh, that's that's bad for cartridges. <laughs> it was bad. Oh yeah, I, I made a couple cartridges go black because of that. Just nothing came out of the cartridge. Yank them right out. out. Yep. But that's, yeah, that's why I tell people I'm not good at pulling out. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. But and the and I'm good. But the whole idea of strangling somebody with a controller is just lost on today's today's kids because <laughs> there's no cords anymore. <laughs> So, I think that might be the leading reason that most controllers went wireless. The amount I mean, of strangulations due to video games. You can't strangle somebody with Bluetooth or a radio signal. No. no. <laughs> I mean, it was whipping those controllers around your head like it was a damn lasso. Like, like yeah. you had a, what, what, what are those things? Those ball and chains they use in hammer throws? Yeah. Like going after your relatives with it. Come on now. And the game is still just like playing the NBA Jam music in the background as you're just, yeah. tri- as you're just beating somebody with a Sega controller. <laughs> tournament edition nba jam tournament edition also called te as we refer to it all the time tournament was just too hard to spit out in an argument like fast uh-huh. and it just it came out all jumbled up so anyway came out with new rosters new features more easter eggs combined uh, with the gameplay of the original they created new music to go along with just the general gameplay they actually just created all new music for it so if you go back and you listen to the original listen to te same kind of thing, but different. So they yeah, added um, an extra beat in there to make it feel more inspired. Well, you know, it needed more beats for the TE. Yeah. The ours goes dun 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 and theirs is dun 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 it's it's a different song. It's completely different. Yeah. It is. So one is more under pressure and another one is put on ice. So teams now consisted of the three players, which I think is what we were actually talking about a minute ago, where you could actually have the three players and then select. So this is similar to, uh, I found that there was a lot of things I read that were similar to what we were talking about with Evil Dead and the E episode. If you haven't listened to that, you should definitely go back and take a listen. Oh, that's classic. Where you, you know, people have memories of the second one that they're putting in the first one and whatnot. And so I think there's a lot of that between TE and original NBA Jam. 
I think what threw me off is uh, when I was at MAGFest, they had the old school NBA Jam uh, cabinet, and I didn't look to see if it was tournament edition or which edition of it it was. I just saw NBA Jam, got real excited, and ran straight to it. Yeah, <laughs> and then just started playing. So. And started yeah. playing, yes. So within the uh, the new teams, the only team that had five players was actually a new team of rookies which were the NBA, uh, 1994 NBA Jam or NBA Draft. You could be three players, except for that team of five. Uh, new hidden teams and secret playable characters. Early versions of the game included characters from Mortal Kombat games. You know, midway. Perfect. Players were also assigned more attributes, including uh, clutch and fatigue. And in addition, the game also included features such as tournament mode. So that was where you could actually play through but it also uh, turned off computer assistance and gave on-court hotspots that allowed for additional points and special slam dunks. And, oh, my God, I hated those because my brother would, you know, just walk and stand still on one and then just do a dunk all the way to the goal from the other side of the court and get three-point slam dunk. Now, I will say I much, much prefer being able to control both characters as opposed to the one that you controlled and then the computer assisted character, ah, it used to drive me nuts. Well, what I found with the, you know, when they turn the computer assist off is that it would always be one character at one end of the court and the other one would be at the other end of the court because I forgot to bring him down. Um, (laughs) And it just, it became this thing where it was always just one player at one end of the court and the other player at the other end. I guess you could call it strategy. It was more (laughs) of just... Not really paying attention. That to is one hell of a fast break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Uh, it, it really was. It always just ended up one player at the other end. Uh, the test version of TE included hidden characters: uh, the Grim Grim Reaper, Kong, King Kong, uh, Raiden, Reptile, and Sub Zero. So, Mortal Kombat characters. But then it was scrapped after that. TE was ported to the um, Super NES, Genesis, 32X, Game Boy, Game Gear, Sega Saturn, PlayStation. And Atari Jaguar. I still would like to get my hands on a Jaguar. I've never actually. When I was a kid, my next door neighbor had one. And I remember, and I mean, I was a kid kid. I was probably like seven. And he had that Aliens game that was Mm -hmm. on Jaguar. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. So there was actually some issue with uh, porting to the Atari Jaguar because the coding was too difficult. Support it over. It's kind of the same thing that happened to the Sega Saturn. Like it wasn't easy to develop games for the system. It was very easy to do that for PlayStation, which is why when Saturn and PlayStation were kind of hard to believe at one point were kind of in competition with one another. Yeah. PlayStation obviously eventually ran away with it, but that's what I always heard about the Saturn too. So, so on a Jaguar, we can take you to a bar and pick you up a cougar. No, no, I'm a I'm I'm good. Um, okay. I I don't think that a console, a home gaming console, translates into other um, uh, older older ladies. I don't. It's got a sugar mama. She'll buy it for you. All you gotta do is find it. No, I I got I got a lady. I don't I don't need a cougar. I don't. I'm trying to help you out getting you a jaguar. You got to be careful when you when you say words like jaguar. Are we talking? Are we talking like, you know, vintage cars? Are we talking video game systems? Well, that's why I said Atari Jaguar, because I understand the confusion in that you're the only one that would get it confused with inanimate objects. 
old Sarge goes straight to the predatory lady. <laughs> so lady the, lady. Lady. the predatory, the predatory older lady. So ports and follow-ups to, to NBA jam. And this is where we'll kind of see where NBA jam eventually. Uh, and I think you're getting ready to name the one that I spent hours of my life pouring into. As soon as you say it, I'm going to squeal. So you'll know you said it. I, now I kind of just want to get to it. And so you can squeal. Just start kind of, listing them, and I'll make right. a weird sound. When all right. reach the line. So first, let's go through something else that I know that we're all familiar of, and we'll get to it here in just a minute. So they were ported to many home consoles, as we just listed, um, as well as PC, and uh, it was leading up to the original original's debut on Jam Day, which was March fourth, nineteen ninety four, which was just the release of it for Sega and Super Nintendo. That's that's all it was. When I first came across something called Jam Day, I was like, was there jelly involved? What's They did, what's they did the exact same thing with Mortal Kombat. They called it Combat Day. Yeah. It, and they made like a that whole ad campaign where it was like hundreds of people meeting in the streets to, I, I guess, fist fight? Like, I, it was never clearly explained, but some nine-year-old Jonathan Taylor Thomas-looking dude screams Mortal Kombat in a deep voice and, yeah. Midway like to name their their days for sure. See, this is this is me showing my age, and that's all right. I don't care. I remember going to launch parties. Like you would you would pre order a game, and you would go, and there'd be like pizza and music and people. You sit there talk and chill out until midnight hit, and then you got your release. No, like from the store, like yeah, GameStop. I'd... GameStop was one of them. Yeah, but like, GameStop was only, able... not only not the only name in town as far as a game store. At that time, no, they were ABC Toys, um, EB Games. I kind of remember that happening at Toys R Us. I remember Toys R Us had one for, oh, it was in in the PlayStation. It wasn't, it wasn't Uh, for for Genesis or anything. But I do remember some at Toys R Us for PlayStation. And now Toys R Us has gone the way of EA games. (laughs) Yeah. When I came across something called Jam Day, I was like, what is this? And <laughs> I must find it. And then it was just the release of it. So, Scramble Jam. Do you guys remember on, I remember in TE especially because I had a game uh, magazine. I do not remember the name of it. I tried to find what the name of it was and I could not, but it had just pages and pages. And it was just like a three inch banner on the side of each one. It was just lists and lists of codes to put in to get different players to get different people that were not basketball players so oh, it's, it was the it was the key uh it was the uh cheat catalog what was it called oh my god well no this this wasn't a cheat catalog this was just a game magazine that put out all these codes um, was it game informer it may have been i, I have i was trying to find because i could still picture the issue like the cover and i was trying to find it and i could not find it anywhere online and so I couldn't say that that's what it was with certainty, but it yeah. may have been Game Informer. So TE allowed the player to use then-President Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Al Gore, and Atari's Vice President of Software Development, Leonard uh, Tremilli. The magazine you're referring to is Nintendo Power. It was not a Nintendo Power. It, I know that for a fact because that was what I initially went to, but it was all Sega games, so it wasn't going to put out uh, Nintendo, or it wasn't going to put out Sega codes in Nintendo magazine. Now, now this is really important. Um, so, when you played as Al Gore, 
unfortunately, you were at a little bit of a disadvantage because Al Gore refused to go. He he wouldn't catch fire. He wouldn't, you know, he's on fire. He wouldn't do that because the ball being on fire would cause global warming. So you had, he actually, you know, it didn't work out that way for him. Bill and Hillary would, but um, Al Gore um, couldn't do that. I don't remember ever catching fire with Al Gore, but I don't really okay. remember playing Al Gore. So, well, so I found I found another one. Don't look it, it up, huh? <laughs> Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly was another one. Yeah, it may have been Electronic Gaming Monthly. Been. So I'm looking at the three inch banners in the EGM. So, so other players you could turn to Frank Thomas, uh, baseball player, Heavy D, MCA, Adrock, and Mike D. Beastie Boys, which I did turn into the Beastie Boys a lot because I was a Beastie Boys fan as a as a young growing boy. But 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 see but see Al Gore because of global warming. Will Smith, uh, Jazzy Jeff, and Larry Bird. You could also turn into the Bulls mascot, Hornets mascot again, uh, T Wolves mascot, or, or for those who aren't familiar, the Timberwolves mascot, and also the uh, Suns mascot. So. Um, I don't remember turning out of those. Of course, the only ones out of those I would have recognized at that time was the Bulls mascot or the Hornets mascot. Go on, monster. I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. I yeah. was literally going to bring up Al Gore for the third time. I, Please continue. I, I, I had a feeling <laughs> I was going to give you your, your space, your floor space to uh, to run he, with more Al Gore. Instead of Glad on didn't. fire, he, he would actually go ice cold. Uh, and the announcer would yell, he's free. And he would no, but see, they didn't. They didn't died. put Sub Zero into the game from Mortal Kombat. So that was to satisfy no. Greenpeace. I climate change. Please continue. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the Suns mascot was there. Well, did, did I did I hear you right? The yes, the Suns mascot. I don't know the what the Suns the father's mascot. Yeah, it was a gorilla. So what about the father's mascot? The um no um, no. Um, I, Mothers and daughters? No, we're just gonna do it. The sons. Oh God. Okay, as someone know. who just did a three-piece bit on Al Gore, oh. that was stupid. Oh. Okay, come on, buddy, do better. <laughs> Why? Why am I still here? Why? Why does this continue? I've already quit this podcast like twice. Okay, so it's, um, I can't it's inevitable. Quit, so you just have to deal with it. Next Your names around. are in the title. You next, can't quit. Next go I can around. Leave anytime I want. Next go around. Let's just make F the for finale. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get two and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah, two and, and a half like seasons. Two and a third. Yeah, that's that's all they get. So anyway, um, acclaim. Use the name on NBA Jam Extreme in '96. Squeal. Woo-hoo! Okay. Um, That's the one. <laughs> it was a 3D version of uh, NBA Jam that featured Marv Albert doing commentary. Yeah. Um, and before yep. it was Tim Kitzraw doing an impression of Albert for the commentary. Uh, the game was a flop <laughs> in comparison. Yes, in comparison to Midway's version uh, released that same year. So, so the claim tried. So okay. So. PlayStation, and, and if you go back to the old school PlayStation, just like like I said, I had a Sega Saturn before I got a PlayStation. Those original polygonal graphics with the jagged, sharp edges, okay? 
that was what NBA Jam Extreme looked like, and I loved it. I ate it up, and I remember Big Head Mode. It was the it was like literally a stick figure with a potato on its top of it. It was awful. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, now I you could love it. You could do uh, Big Head Super Fast uh, and Big Feet Mode and TE. So, fifteen-year-old me just absolutely loved the extreme version. Did you dribble? The logo was covered in fire. Did you dribble an octagon instead of a a sphere? I, I just feel like with the graphics that you described, nothing was smooth, and everything was there to hurt you. The basketball looked like a football. Uh, the goal looked like four triangles at a point. Um, no, those polygonal graphics. I mean, there's a lot of nostalgia for that era of games, but like the original Tomb Raider, NBA yeah. Jam Extreme, like all those games from that era, whew, you will poke your eye out. NBA Jam Extreme was rechristened NBA Hang Time. Um, Hang Time added the creative player option, uh, which used a new batch of features combined with the classic blah, blah, blah. NBA oh, Jam Extreme was basically the Kmart NBA Jam. <laughs> in 95, uh, Claim released a collegiate version of NBA Jam from consoles uh, called College Slam. The game was also a flop. Um, it was initially created to capitalize on the popularity of March, March Madness, but it did not enjoy the popularity that NBA Jam had because it was a flop because it was not NBA Jam. So not to go off on way too big of a tangent, but what cracked me up was I don't remember exactly what year it was. It had to have been like 04, 03, somewhere in that neighborhood. There was a college basketball game. Now, there were all kinds of licensing issues about using players' names and likenesses for collegiate games because they're not professional athletes and, and all that. But they had a feature on this one college basketball game I used to play all the time where you could enter in a name for the jerseys. And if it was like, a name that they recognized and could pronounce, the announcer would say it in game. But if it wasn't, they would just say player 17, player 12, whatever. And I remember, you know, being kind of a Carolina Tar Heel fan, I remember I would put in the Tar Heel players' names from the roster of that year, even like the weird, obscure names. For some reason, it knew how to say those. <laughs> well, it, it may have had kind of a preloaded audio of, of, current players for a certain time. So uh, that's for, my for best certain guess. colleges, yes. There were some weird names that would come out from uh from other countries and things. You for could say like Smith to and Jones and Davis. But for some reason when I had typed in Dante Calabrial for the Tar Heels, sure, Calabrial, why that was, not? That was a rather um precise recall of <laughs> of a, a name. That was the weirdest Tar Heel name I could think of off the top of my head. All right. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you a single basketball player uh, outside of the major ones, you know, um, sure, sure. Carl Malone, which actually I don't know if he was a major one. He was Carl the mailman. Malone? Yeah, I know. That's the first I, one you I, went to? I know. He was the mailman. He's not obscure, but he's not like at the top of the list. No, no. I, uh, I had a brother who was a basketball fan, so, you know. And uh, apparently a Utah Jazz fan. All right. <laughs> I haven't watched a basketball game or played a basketball game. I haven't even played basketball in the past like 25 years. Oh, I thought you were going to say ever. And I was going to be like, man, that's sad. I can't tell you last time I actually played a basketball game either. So like physically 
played basketball again. So, so I will be honest with you, and I don't want to get too deep into this. Um, I can afford. Well, people rag on like FIFA guys that buy the same game every year. You know, I and I still have them, even for consoles I don't own anymore. I have every NBA 2K game since I think NBA 2K7, maybe. All the way up until I never got 2K22 because I have kind of lost interest. And obviously having kids, I don't have time to play as much. But I had NBA 2K21. I bought every single one of them because that's how much I I liked basketball. But so again, in the 90s, when the NBA was kind of at its peak, I was right there with it. That was my favorite era of of the NBA as well. So again... NBA Jam, I absolutely loved it. I knew all the players, I knew all the teams. Like, I, I ate it up. Even the even the shitty extreme version, I loved. Yeah, it. Uh, that that was uh, so. That was when Midway actually had claimed bankruptcy. Um, they went belly up in '96, and so that was when Acclaim took over and whatnot. And so Acclaim did continue to push it. Um, Midway did try um, a few last gasps of the NBA jam formula with other sports it was two on two open ice hockey challenge yeah get to the next one wayne gretzky's 3d hockey absolutely not you know what i'm talking about nfl blitz there it is no that i've played that i didn't like it i was never really a big fan oh, of football come games, on. So. i played the hell out of that game played it again at super Magfest too they had a console of that it was right next to the nba jam cabinet <laughs> uh they also passed off to wwf wrestlemania the arcade game um yeah, yeah. nba showtime okay. nba on nbc and i didn't even know that was a game that came, had come out but then nba hoops they developed power up uh baseball in 96 but it was canceled because they found the game did not test well i don't feel like many baseball games test well with audiences overall so well as sports games kind of developed over the years, there started to be kind of a, a split and kind of around this time, like early 2000s, where you had people that were really into the nuance, the GM aspects, the roster control, that kind of stuff. And then you had people that two on two, shove your opponent to the ground, jump 25 feet in the air, arcade style. So you saw kind of like a split in the games. You had your more simulation style sport games, and then you had your more arcade style as well. They were kind of like two separate entities. So in 2010, EA Sports released a new version of NBA Jam for the Wii. I played it. It was not good. The game was later ported to PS3 and Xbox 360. Bill Clinton appears in the 2010 version. And uh, alongside Barack Obama and Joe Biden as teammates instead of Hillary Clinton and Prince Charles <laughs> or Al Gore. Uh, Prince Charles was on it, some, Al Gore on others. Well, I was going to say, actually, Al Gore is there. He He's on he's on the bench. Oh, he, he has very, oh, very cold, Why? very cold towels. Oh. Um, oh. If the ball's on fire, he will douse yeah. it for you. Um, not Why to create we... more holes in the ozone. Oh. So I stopped playing sports games when one game set the bar way too high. What was that? It wasn't NBA Jam. Mutant League (laughs) Hockey. Mutant League (laughs) Hockey was great. Son of a bitch. I was just getting ready to bring that up. Mutant League (laughs) Hockey and football, I... God, I loved those games. After I, loved those I played games. Mutant League Hockey. Yes. I never touched NBA Jam again. 
Mutant League hockey was great, and I've heard there a while back they were trying to you know remake it and bring Redo it back. It. Yeah. I don't know if it actually ever came out, but I I did no. love some Mutant League hockey. So in addition to Obama Biden, you could also play a team as John McCain, George Bush, and Sarah Palin. They were actually the rival team to the Obama, Clinton, and Biden team. Good times. That sounds awful. Yeah, it, it really does. That does not make me want to play that game. All right. We talked about the money in the beginning and how NBA got a $100 royalty per machine sold. Obviously, the game was popular. We've all played it, except, you know, Sarge quit after Mutant League. But in the United States, so Replay was the company that kept tallies on what was being sold and how much. It topped the monthly Replay charts for upright arcade cabinet uh, sales from April 1983 to October 1993. Replay listed it as America's top-grossing arcade game of the summer of 1993. The games in the U.S. official gross exceeded $300 million. So if NBA got $100 a machine, I didn't find how many machines were sold. I just found how much money. So that would be $540 million adjusted for today. But uh, it exceeded the box office gross for Jurassic Park the same year. Wow. That's the only time I have ever been able to find that a game exceeded the highest grossing movie of any time. Well, see, in, in a lot of our younger demographic, you know, there's six people that listen to this and three of them are under 25. There is. Are they in Ireland or India? Because we're there now. Yes, exactly. There was a time where a a video game cabinet would be like in the lobby of Big Lots or yeah. Farmore or, right. or whatever little convenience store or whatever. And Pizza Hut, grocery store. Sure, sure. sure. It was it everywhere. There, you right. could go to uh, go see a movie and while you're waiting for your movie to start, play an arcade game. Play video games. Yeah. yeah. And the thing was, when it came to the video games that they had access to, you would often see like a racing game or like a shooting game. But the thing about NBA Jam was it was universal. You would see a lot of Mortal Kombat cabinets and Street Fighter cabinets, but that's fighting and violence. And obviously Mortal Kombat's gory. But NBA Jam, that's family friendly, you know? So you would see those cabinets everywhere. Oh, yeah. So individual machines at the time in 93, the summer 93, were earning $2,400 per week. So I don't know how many arcade machines there were, but the twenty four hundred bucks a week in quarters is a shit ton of quarters. The game grossed one billion dollars worldwide in the first twelve months. In Japan, NBA Jam was listed in August of ninety three as the fourth most successful upright arcade unit of the month. I assume in Japan the arcade game was insane. So I can only assume that that's, that's a lot for that. So as of 2012, the arcade game has sold more than 20,000 arcade units. Uh, so that's individual boxes, you know, the stand-up machine. Uh, it has generated a lifetime revenue of $2 billion. So I would say the NBA made their money on their $100 a, a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called playing the long con. Yeah. Same thing for actors that take revenue from toys and and merchandise and stuff rather than take a big cut up front you know jack nicholson is still making money off of batman because of that smart business move so the united states it was brought to sega genesis and snes 
And Game Gear, in February 94, I would like to play it on Game Gear, handheld systems especially. Uh, Genesis and Game Gear actually came in March, excuse me. It was the second best-selling home video game in 94, uh, below Donkey Kong Country. Damn good game. Mm. Oh, yeah. The Genesis version, outselling the Super Nintendo version. Console port sold 2 million copies in 94. And you know more why? than... Oh, go on. Because Sega does. What Nintendo don't. Thank you. Yeah. Please continue. And more than 3 million cartridges worldwide by February 95. As of 2019, the Genesis and NES, or Super NES version, sold a combined 6 million copies worldwide. So, just so everybody's on the same page here, as all these different iterations of the game comes out, uh, it's important that when you are ready to move on to the next iteration of the game, you buy the most recent installment, you need to dispose of your previous uh, installment. And it's important to recycle that because Al Gore God, taught why? us that why? global warming oh, is a very serious issue and we need God. to recycle things like plastics and electronics Please. to increase the integrity of the ozone layer. I, I so, can't. Just, I can't. just wanted to share that. Are, are we done? Al Gore invented the internet. Oh God! So that's keep that in mind too. He's a he's a he's a treasure, American hero. Are we done? You're welcome. So obviously, it was received extremely well. Electronic Gaming Monthly or EGM gave it a unanimous nine out of ten stars. So I feel like unanimous should be ten of ten. So. I thought that was an uh, interesting wording. And it gave uh, Game of the Month award. Of course, praise, graphics, sounds, blah, blah, blah. Uh, GamePro praised the Sega CD version of the updated yes. roster. Yes, there's some Sega CD representation for there you there. There we go. The more intuitive controls and improved audio with more voice samples, more music, and more sound effects than any other home version. So... Evidently, they played it on every console to determine that. GamePro said the Game Boy version, obviously, the Game Boy version is far too limited a system, or Game Boy is far too limited a system to capture more than a fraction of what made NBA Jam and Arcade Smash, but at least <laughs> it has that fraction. I still would like to get my hands on the Game Boy version of it. So in 96, Next Generation listed uh, NBA Jam at number 99 in their top 100 games of all time commenting that despite it having been flogged to death by acclaim at home and now in the arcades, NBA Jam is still a terrific game, especially in the arcade with four players. Very true. There was nothing like getting on that with four people. Any game where you're playing through with four people was, was awesome. So did you know that Tommy Lee Jones and Al Gore went to school together? I, I didn't. Now, now you have an Al Gore fact for me. I got some more, too. I found a hundred out core pack. Okay. Okay. I wasn't looking for one from you, but thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for coming in in the clutch. So, all right. Hey, so, way to throw out a basketball reference. Yeah. Reel yeah. it back in. Yeah. So, all right. He's heating up. He's on fire. And Boom Shakalaka have all worked their way into NBA or basketball commentator vernacular. I get warm fuzzies when I hear boom shakalaka. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not very often that boom shakalaka gets used anymore, and I really feel like we should make an effort to uh, to bring it back. Absolutely. So, uh, and then also, 
it's very rarely used, but it is used that he's on fire, which I don't know if you remember part of he's on fire that we did talk about. Yes, sure, the shoes burn up, but the net would actually singe as well, which I always thought was kind of a neat little neat little added thing. So the script was solely written by John Hay, and uh, Kitzrell stated that most of the lines were actually improvised. So um, not outright argue about it, but, you know, it's... uh, I don't know which one is true there, but at the same time, right. I can't imagine that Boom Shakalaka was brought up off the top of your head. <laughs> I, I feel like that one was brainstormed and tossed around on the whiteboard. Boom goes the dynamite. Right. There was just a bunch of onomatopoeias put up there. Yeah. And, and they were just started mixing and matching to see what works. They had uh, the little magnet words that you see on refrigerators yep. and smash them go. together. So they had one of the designers, three-year-old kids come in or a third grade class come in and be like, all right, we're going to make words today. Kids ready. set, yeah. go!" And some, and some three uh, third grader came up with boom shakalaka and it was, it was put in, but boom shakalaka is a great, a great word overall. So NBA jam. And I thought this was kind of a stretch, but sure. We'll go for it. It incorporates slugger from Spike Lee's, alter ego in his film she's got to have it who was also featured in a nike basketball shoes commercial nba jam commentator asked is it the shoes after a player performs wonderfully the 2010 game features a nod to this when the commentator sometimes exclaims it's got to be the shoes under certain circumstances i kind of felt like that was a uh, a stretch i remember that being a thing back in the day talking about like jordans and air jordan like the nike's brand of, of shoe i don't remember the exact design the or whatever not i, I want to say it was the jordans like the air jordans when they first came out and i remember that it's got to be the shoes like i remember that like you know to try to explain why he was so talented or whatever so i grew physically rather rather fast i think i grew nine inches between 12 and 13 you know that's that's a lot and so my foot also grew with it so i had a hard time with Finding shoes. I don't think I ever had Jordans, but I did have the LA gears with the pup tie. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the original Nike commercial, it's gotta be the shoes, nineteen eighty-nine. The Air Jordans gotta be the shoes. Two thousand and six. Okay, well two thousand and six would have been about right. Yeah. 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 So all right. To close up. The one thing that I wish would have made it through because it would have been so much fun to me. There was a lot of, you know, trying to cross over Mortal Kombat with NBA Jam. But in 2009, Mortal Kombat, you know, Ed Boon, he tweeted, yeah, he tweeted that Mortal Kombat Court was to be a hidden course as part of NBA Jam. And I, I can't think of which arena, which fighting arena it could have been. I think it would have been great. It's just, I feel like it's something that was missed that would have been a great little thing because you could pick all sorts of different players, but you couldn't pick where to play. I think if you really want to see a good mesh of what it would be like to see NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat coexist in the same universe, just play Shaq Fu. I mean, yeah. there you have it, right? I, I'd right? forgotten all about Shaq Fu. I do have a copy well, of that somewhere. Let's let's never forget Shaq Fu. It happened. We all need to remember. I think we want to forget Shaq Fu just like uh, we forgot Charles Barkley shut up a jam. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, it was a rough one. Yeah. I was. played I played that one. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So did I. 
I'm going to end this episode of N is for NBA Jam, just like Sarge ended NBA Jam with with Mutant League Hockey. So, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I'll give you the floor for one more. One more. One more what? Oh. Why do you look so stressed out, Danger? What do you what I'll, do you imply? I'll give you I'll give you one more Al Gore. No, no, I'm done with that. Oh. I'm done with that. Oh. It wasn't funny to begin with. It it's not funny now. Just like the hole in the ozone layer, okay? It's a serious issue and if we don't take it seriously, it's going to get worse. Oh, what kind of earth do you want to leave for your grandkids, okay? Read Al Gore's book, okay? He invented the internet. Don't forget that. It's important. I don't I don't care about Al Gore. I never have. So <laughs> anyway, I'm going to close this just like he um, closed the inconvenient truth. So for the is for podcast, this has been the letter N is for NBA Jam. Sarge, anything else? The only thing, if I had to add anything about these simulation basketball games and football games, Crap's just getting out of control. I rag on my son all the time because he comes downstairs. He's like, uh, he plays the, what is it? Uh, Madden 2. Yeah. Whatever it is, the latest Madden game. Same thing as the FIFA ones. It's the same game over and over. Yeah, it's whatever the year is. He he comes downstairs. He's like, the Bengals just won the Super Bowl and they were like 16 and 0. How did you get 16 and 0 on a game? You know, I'm, I'm just good, right? So I go upstairs, I load up his save. And he's got like all the players, like all the Bengals players look like giants. <laughs> and then, and like everything is like maxed, like the <laughs> highest it can go. And I go through all the teams he's played and he's turned, he has taken the time to turn everything down <laughs> on the game. And I'm just like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm just good. I'm just good. I'm, like, no, I'm just not. good. I'm just that, That's the only thing about these simulation games. I'm like, that's why I love the arcade games like NBA Jam, Mutant League Hockey, stuff like that. Because guess what? It's just for fun. You don't have to be good. You just have to have fun. Yeah. Well, what is the difference between playing Doom and Medal of Honor? Sometimes you want the cartoony violence and sometimes you want the more serious, realistic version. NBA Jam was a great way to play basketball without taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And and again, NFL Blitz was a good one, and the Mutant League games were awesome too. Very yeah, awesome. I, I played a lot of Mutant League football on PlayStation, and that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boom shakalaka. <laughs> Who's on fire? <laughs>